center and coming in as Lube. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it is Wednesday, May 24th. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. And welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com, Steinberg. And yes, Ryan Pike with us in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. What's up, Pike? I feel like I haven't seen you since I saw you yesterday, Pat. I barely saw you on Tuesday. I was a very busy. I was a very busy rabbit. It, I was all over was, the place. That was a busy day for everybody. I mean, uh, case case in point, I finally met Lanny McDonald. I've covered the team for twelve years, and I've never had a chance to have a conversation and introduce myself to Lanny McDonald. And they also named a GM. That was like it was an eventful day. All I want to. I want to talk more about this Lanny conversation. I've heard he's not a very nice guy. Oh, just terrible. Just the, just the worst. Oh, just, you know, one of the number one or two human being ambassadors for the city of Calgary and uh, full-on class act. Hey, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday was fun, hey? That was a, a lot of fun on Tuesday as Craig Conroy was introduced as general manager of the team. How'd, uh, how'd you think Conroy handled things in his introductory news conference in his first day of public facing as general manager of the Calgary Flames? He certainly said all of the things that uh, I imagine. If you were a Calgary Flames fan and you were skeptical, especially after maybe you had some issues with how the Flames were run the last couple of years or the last year in particular, if you were a skeptical fan and you, you know, popped on uh, Sports Night 960 to listen to that pop, to listen to that press conference on uh, Tuesday. By the end of it, you were probably feeling pretty good because a lot of the things that I think fans were apprehensive about, uh, you know, what kind of playing style he wants to see, the the importance of youth not going into the next season with seven pending unrestricted free agents, among others, he addressed them and he addressed them fairly head on. And even the thing, like you know, I'll say this. Craig did not talk around any questions. Like no, the, the, I, yeah, I agree. The closest thing he did was like the, you know, he was asked by Eric DeHatchik of the athletic, Hey, what about Jerome McGinley? And he basically said, what do you, what do you mean? He's, you know, they've talked about working together in the past. And I'm sure you and I will discuss that in, in due course. They want to work together in the past and they just haven't had that situation yet. And, you know, you're not going to pitch your buddy on a job until you have the job in which, you know, he didn't sign the contract until Tuesday morning. So he simply wasn't in a position to call up Jerome and say, hey, buddy, I'm in charge yet until the contract signed. But, you know, now that he's in charge and probably once he gets through scouting meetings this week, you know, there's there's a few bits of business he has to take care of. And he was pretty upfront about what business he wants to take care of and his priorities. So, you know, it was, it was refreshing. It was a, it was a, you know, it was as forthcoming. We've seen an executive be in one of these introductory press conferences in a while, not to say that Bradford living, you know, didn't answer our questions well, but you know, we, I feel like we got a glimpse at the plan, uh, at least the, the plan as it stands right now. And that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty refreshing. Um, I quite enjoyed the news conference. I enjoyed the the chat he had with us on Flames Talk a little later on Tuesday. Um, and I thought I thought he gave, as as you mentioned, he didn't really talk around any answers. And 
it's funny because I, having multiple chats over nine years with Brad to living and, and getting to know Brad away from the mic and um, even, even interacting with him a little bit after he walked away. One of the things that he always said, he's like, look, I, I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for talking for two minutes and never saying anything sometimes. But I actually, I actually felt that you did still get, I, I never felt like you were getting in, you were, it was never disingenuous with Tree. There were just certain things you didn't want to talk about. And I think as a general manager, you have to do that sometimes. And, and I think even a couple of things that, that Conroy was ans- uh, asked about, he did a pretty good job of answering, but not giving you the full deck of cards, well, right? I, because I, you, can't, you can't lay out your entire hand on any one thing because yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't help you in a negotiation with a player or a trade negotiation with another team or whatever the case may be. Or you don't, it's a competitive disadvantage to be like, here's what we're going to do in detail. Take a look at this. Well, especially like, you know, I, I asked him about, uh, about, you know, he mentioned bringing in youth, and I asked him, like, are there any players, or what do you want to do? And he laid out his philosophy. He, he said, you know, he declined to really name drop any players because he flat out said that wouldn't really be fair to the players he doesn't mention, which is smart. But then he just mentioned, you know, they, they just finished Wrangler's exit meetings, and they said, hey, guys, there's going to be an opportunity, and here's the type of opportunity, and here's why, and come in and steal a jersey. Just come in and take it. And... Yeah, that's that's a, like, laying out just, just that philosophy. Even like he's t- as much as he's talking to us and the fans, he's talking to agents, he's talking to potential players, he's talking to players that might be entering the entry level system this year. Like I think he he hit the right notes in all those kinds of moments like that where you know things you you can put. It's easy when you're an executive to put your foot in your mouth. I mean, you know, we we do it on occasion in media, but you know, we no, we 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 have never. the we have the ability to occasionally talk our way out of it. But you know, he was really good at sort of contextualizing what he meant, so that I don't think it's I don't think it's possible to take a lot of things he said out of context because a you know Craig talks in paragraphs, but b Craig was also really good in those paragraphs, sort of giving you enough context for for you to understand what he meant by his phrasing. Do you, uh, well, let's, let's, I mean, there's a lot of things to dive into. Let's, let's dive into, cause there's a lot of things that I could get to that are kicking around my brain and, but I don't want to go off on a pike tangent. So I'm going to focus things instead. Well, we'll have time later. Exactly. There's always time for a pike tangent, even if it's coming from me. One of the big things that, popped out to me one of the big things that a lot of people glommed on to uh after craig sat down with us in the doug lacy's basement systems hot stove lounge on tuesday was the future of the captaincy the flames have not had a captain for the last two seasons since mark giordano left the organization uh they've had alternates they've had uh rotating they've had rotating leadership groups but they have not had a captain now for two consecutive seasons sure does sound like that's going to change according to the new general manager what uh what's your feel on having a captain next year is that absolutely yeah we're gonna have a captain that yeah. was the, you got some you got some good candidates hey yeah you know what i mean I've played in two Canadian markets myself. I've played, you have to have a captain. I mean, I've always believed it. You know, I I struggled the first year. We could have named a, you know, I just struggled with it each year. But obviously, that's a decision that was above me. You know, now, now when we're in the coach's interview, we're going to have a captain. You need a voice that the players can talk to. You're going to have your leadership group. But in the end, you need one person to go in and talk to the coach. Yeah. You know. And really 
I think that has to be done. I mean, that's what I've always experienced in the NHL, and to not have it was weird for me because who? everyone's sitting in the locker room, who, who's supposed to go talk to Daryl? Nobody went to talk to Daryl. You know, and that's what I asked the guys. I'm like, well, who is the guy? And they said, well, we just look at each other and we don't, nobody goes. And that just doesn't feel right for me, especially for a Canadian market. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a major priority for me. So I like that explanation. That was Craig Conroy uh, in his sit-down with us, which is available uh, wherever you get your podcasts on the Flames Talk feed. I like the explanation. Like, am I convinced that if they had a captain last year that they win the Pacific Division? No. But I do think it might have made a small difference. And, and I've even come around on that. You know, there is... If you were to if you were to talk to me in season, and there were lots of conversations post game in season about, well, Pat, why haven't they named a captain, or they need to name a captain, and I kind of poo pooed that a lot of the times. And over the last number of months, just learning what we learned in the final few months of the season, and and certainly into the off season, and now Daryl Sutter's gone. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd walk that back slightly. Um, I'd, I'd I'd admit that maybe I wasn't fully uh, or or that. I was a little off base in saying it wouldn't have helped at all. I'm still not convinced it would have made a massive difference with the dysfunction that existed last year. But do you, do you think it would it have made maybe a little difference? Do you, I don't know. Do you think it would have given them enough uh, wiggle room to eke out one or two more wins? Well, what's, what, what would it have taken? Three more points? Yeah. So, like, is someone talking to Daryl at any point of the season, you know, at crucial points, is that the difference between them winning? Two more games. Two more. Getting... Well, even just think of the, the 15, over, was 15 overtime losses. 17. There's too many overtime losses. But if you think, you know, hey, Daryl, let's do some, let's do XYZ in overtime instead of what we've been doing. Does that get you three more points? Just that? The problem is no, because I don't think that. I don't know if that, like, <laughs> hey, Daryl, we should do that. No. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, Daryl was very, very, for better or worse. And I think there were. There's there's good and bad. Like it's not just bad, but Daryl very much he has his philosophies and he does not change from he does not just, deviate yeah, from his philosophy. Ask Matthew Phillips about changing philosophies. Right? And lots of other guys. And and good and bad. That that lack of deviation, I think, helped a lot of players. And I think that that very consistent, unrelenting message works with some guys. I think it works with guys like Dylan Dubé or Tyler Toffoli or Johnny Gaudreau. I think it works with certain guys. Troy and Stetcher. maybe it doesn't work with others. Troy Stetcher, Nikita Zadorov. I think, I think there are guys that it works with, and I think there are guys that it doesn't work with. In this day and age, I don't know if you can be blanket, though. I think you need to be able to tailor or adjust the message and the way that you approach and interact with players on an individual basis, and that may have been part of the downfall of Daryl in his second go-around with the Flames. I digress. Who should the captain be? So they're going to name Ooh. a captain. Who should the captain be? Let's go through them. Let me go a little. I'll, okay. We can go through them. Let's text line, it. have fun. I know that this is uh, one that always engages the text line at 960-960. First name that comes to mind, Michael Backlund. Yes, I would name him the captain only if... He's here beyond next year. Okay, you, how, I don't how many... think you can give Michael Backlund the captaincy if he's not signed beyond next season. Okay, how many years would you want him to sign for, for that package to include the C? Another two or three. That that would be fine with me. Okay, yeah, because then you get him for twenty three, twenty four, and then two more years after that. Or so three say, more years say, after like that. I think the the sweet spot for Backlund would be a three year extension. Uh, so that gives you four more years of Michael, which well, would give you four years of captaincy. You'd walk him. He'd be thirty five when his next deal starts. So that would walk him to thirty nine. That's not bad. I, I I think I don't think he'll. I don't think his game will age terribly. 
So, and he's the all-time leader in, you know, he'll be, he'll be amongst the all-time leaders in, in games if he does that. And, you know, he's he was called the leader of the team by several players in, in interviews throughout the season. So I can see that happening. But if you don't have a contract signed with Michael when it's time to name a captain, I don't think you can put it on him because I think you want your next captain, ideally, to be somebody that is going to be here for the long term, which is why, for instance, I didn't think giving it to Milan Lucic last year made a lot of sense because he most likely was going to be leaving the organization after this year, and it sure does feel like that's the way it's going to go. So there's Michael Backlund. I would say almost the exact same thing about Elias Lindholm. I would absolutely think about giving Lindholm the captaincy if he was going to be signing long-term. In fact, if I'm Craig Conroy, I'm not trying to advise him, but if I were in his shoes and it was me, I'd make that part of the conversation. Like, hey, Elias, we'd like you to re-sign long-term. Here's a six-year deal or a seven-year deal or whatever. We'd like to sign you to a big money long-term deal and we'd like to name you the captain. Um, if, if that can help sway him, I'd absolutely put it into the conversation. And maybe... Maybe Elias has no interest in being the captain. And and knowing Elias and, and how much he does not love coming out and talking to 10 of us at the same time with a bunch of different recording devices in his face, that's not his favorite thing in the world. Maybe he has no interest in being the captain. So if that doesn't sway him, then you say, okay, well, never mind that. But if he's interested in it, at the very least, I think it's a pretty good show of this is how much or this is how highly we think of you in this organization. Yeah, yeah. And I you know, he's you know, we the the historically the Flames mindset, at least, you know, in the last 15, 20 years has been the the best player is usually the captain or the best player with leadership experience. Like Mark Giordano, before that, Jerome McGinley, before that, Joe Newendike, Theo Fleury. So like, you know, even even Landy McDonald like Landy McDonald was a real, real, real good player when he wore the C. And then even when they did the the tri captaincy thing, you know they usually had one or two of the best guys in the team or the key role guys. How long did they do the tri captaincy for? They did uh, tri for a year, I think two years, and then they did uh, the co captaincy for another year. And, and I think what, it was tri until Doug Risebrow retired, and they went to co. Right, and he retired in '87. Right, sounds about I think right. so. Yeah, I think so. Then he became an assistant. Yeah, and then the so GM. who were who were the co captains in '89 again? Uh, Tim Hunter, Jim Pavlinski, and Larry McDonald. Okay, so they're the tri-captains. Yeah, that was okay. a tri-captain. I, I I have the Wikipedia chart mostly memorized, but you're of of the two of us, you're the Mike Ross. You've got the photogenic memories, so oh, I, 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 I forget useful things. I lost a USB drive that was on my desk, and I just don't know where I put it. It just, it just disappeared in the ether. I do both, because I'm not smart. So I lose. I don't remember things as well as you do, and I forget simple things like... Oh, let's let's get there's there's some other. I'm con- going to a birthday party. Let's forget the card. There's some dummy. other contenders that I want us to get into. Yes, okay. There's, there's some okay. Some of the because I think we hit the two super obvious ones like the you know the the longtime heart and soul player number eleven and then the best their player. best player. Okay. Now now this is where I think it gets really interesting. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's each throw. Uh, I'll throw one. Then you throw one, and we can just uh, kind of go rapid fire. Then hit the text line. I'll throw Huberto at you first. I like it. He's signed for forever. And I'll say this. I'll say this for him. You know, at least from a media standpoint, being very selfish about that, uh, <laughs> you you absolutely love it when when the team's not doing well 
or a player's not doing well, and he consistently comes out and talks to us and says, here's here's what's not going right for me. And I'll say this, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau, I don't think his struggles were entirely on him this year. There's a lot of reasons why his season didn't go the way he, he or anyone else planned, but he consistently came out you know, and faced the music, so to speak, faced the awkward conversations with us, and, he, you know, he he owned it. And... I, I have a lot of respect for him because of how he did that. And I think if, you know, if you can handle from his perspective, the type of season he had last year yeah. and come out the other side with your sense of humor intact and still willing to come and engage with us on a regular basis. I, I have a lot of time for that. And, and I do think he carries himself a certain way. There's an air of professionalism. There's an air of just, very quiet confidence with Jonathan. So, and and he is the guy who owns the largest contract in franchise history. And if that is something that can cement his confidence a little bit more, and if that is something that will help him have a better second season as a member of the Flames and a better third and fourth season as a member of the Flames, I'd have no problem with that. Okay, uh, who, I got, who's, I, I got who's, one. Who's your next one? It's semi-related. Uh, Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, I I quite like that idea. Mackenzie, right from the get-go, when he got here, just doing media with us, well-spoken, has no problem coming to talk to us, tells it like it is, is willing to call out the team, is willing to take responsibility on his shoulders, uh, and and is always ready to face the music or talk after a game, talk during a tough spot. Um, I also, what I really like about Mackenzie and that I think would work really well in a captaincy conversation the dude is as intense as all hell. Like he is always dialed. If it's a game day, those eyes are always like you can just tell that guy's in game day mode. And and I appreciate the intensity that he always goes about his job with. And the other thing is, I see a lot of sim. I, I think that there is maybe, and this is no knock on Geo, but I think there's a little bit more fire and a little bit more of that P and V that goes along with Mackenzie Weegers personality than there was with Gio. Gio was a great captain and but was very much a lead by example type captain. Well I think Uyghur brings that as well. He had a very similar path to the NHL that Mark Giordano had. He's kind of that same late bloomer that Gio is is he's having his best years in the NHL at the ages of 29 and 30 and stuff like that. Um and the way he plays on the ice, the the never give up type, you know, always in it brand of hockey that Uyghur plays. All of it, I think he'd be a great choice for captain. Um, so, of the you know taking Lindholm and Hubert uh, Lindholm and Backlund out of it until we know what their long term future looks a little bit more like, I think Weger's one of the front runners for me. Okay, uh, you got one more. Well, I want your thoughts uh, on Weger. Oh, I I'm uh, you basically stole my stole my thunder there because I yeah from from the day we had our first press conference in that hallway with Mackenzie Weger, he sort of saw the crowd and sort of quipped. Oh, what is this playoffs? There's a lot of you guys here, and that was for like day two of training camp. I mean, he has great one-liners, but he's also like, like you said, he he knows how to match what he's saying in his intensity and his choice of words for the mood and for what the situation calls for. I think uh, I think I've used the phrase, uh, you know, situational social awareness to describe him. He's just one of those guys that sort of seems to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it in order to a give us like good content, but I think also tell the fans, like, here's what's going on with the team, here's why it's going on, Here and here's what we're doing about it. And if you're a fan of the team and you're just trying to get some information about what the heck is going on with the group, I think he's a, he's a great messenger for that. Okay, what about Rasmus Anderson? 
Oh God, he's he's very. Him and Uyghur, I think, are are very much cut from the same cloth because I think, you know, Anderson will tell you exactly what's on his mind, but what is he's on what's on his mind is usually what's on the team's mind. It's usually right on the pulse, and I think he's one of those guys where he's got such a competitive nature that I think you know he he I think a lot of the things that I saw in terms of his his demeanor on and off the ice kind of reminds me of Mark Giordano in terms of like that that competitiveness that that uh, you know that uh, that gumption and. He brings it every time he talks to us, every time he's on the ice. So that could be a good one. I really think that he has put himself in a front runner position as well. Those are the two for me. If, if Backlund still is looking at, at maybe going elsewhere and Lindholm doesn't want to sign long-term because those two, I think are front runners, but they're a little bit more uncertain in their future. The two guys that are here for the foreseeable future on this team to me, it's a neck-and-neck neck race with with Uyghur and Anderson. And I don't mind the Huberto conversation. I think he would be fine in that in that uh, vein as well. But I just, there were four or five different instances this year where I was doing post-game Flames talk, and I'd come in and I'd say, okay, uh, Flames lose a tough one here uh, on home ice. Uh, it's a 3-1 loss or a 4-1 loss to Chicago or whatever the case may be. Let's go inside the Flames locker room, get some thoughts from Rasmus Anderson. And he would be there telling it like it is for four and five minutes post game, And he would do so in an angry, pissed off way, but in an angry, pissed off way where he would still answer the questions and communicate the frustrations to fans. And I've always known how well-spoken Rasmus is. I've always known how intense that guy is. Um, he is a bit of a wordsmith on and off the ice and he is, uh, absolutely one to like, he will never shy away from finding something to make fun of you about. And, but he, uh, he goes to bat for teammates. He tells it like it is himself and he is not shy from talking after really tough losses. And it really got underlined for me after kind of the worst loss of the season. Would it, would it be fair to say as bad as the loss in L.A. was or some of the other really bad losses, that loss with season on the line against Chicago, yeah. that that was the... Now, they went into Winnipeg and won the next day, but that loss against Chicago, they, they, win, they win that game, they're probably in the playoffs, and yeah. they don't win that game. They lose to a lottery team that's going to draft Connor Bedard. And he spoke for about seven minutes after the game... You don't get I, that type of post game after any game in the regular season. And he, everybody else was 90 seconds. Rasmus Anderson was seven minutes talking to you guys post game. And yeah. that, that really resonated with me. Yeah. And, and he had really insightful things to say. Like there's sometimes where you get seven minutes and it's just seven minutes of just frustration. And there's not a lot of content there, which I mean, I, you and I never have to go in that situation where, you know, we're the, one of the worst days of your professional life. And then there's a bunch of people you kind of know with microphones in your face being like, Rasmus, I need 200 words, buddy. But he had the clarity to really just sort of, you know, almost stream of consciousness, give you some insights into what he was thinking, what he was feeling and sort of where the season was at. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, granted, we've covered him since he broke into the league. I have a lot of time for Rasmus Anderson because I think he's, he's so mature, but also like he knows kind of like Uyghur when to sort of ratchet up the temperature 
with his comments and with his with his candor and when to sort of you know be a little bit cooler with it. Yeah, I I, I think Anderson's a, a very strong contender. Get to the text line nine sixty nine sixty. It's Steinberg and Pike this hour on Flames Talk. Somebody suggests Toffoli. I want to know. It's hard for me to do. I think Toffoli would be a, a good one. Yeah, especially if he signs back. I think you could have that conversation. But until you know, I'd be. A, I'm a little bit more reticent on guys who are entering the final years of contracts. Uh, this says I want Uyghur because he talks like a ca- character from Letterkenny. Fair enough. Um, this says Bax Anderson Uyghur Kadri. Uh, this from Dylan in Revy or in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. I don't, I don't see you here, Dylan, but uh, I'll believe maybe you're hiding somewhere, and that's creepy. Uh, I like Anderson the most for captain. He shows a great amount of emotion on the ice and in the media, and he's not afraid to talk candidly with you crazy bunch of vultures. Not to mention he signed beyond this upcoming season. He also calls the team out when they're bad and doesn't always speak in cliches. That's from Dylan. Somebody suggests Tanev. Again, Tanev entering the final year of a contract, so that's a a little more difficult to do. Once you're signed beyond this year, I think then, for me anyway, you you re-enter the conversation. I just think after having or or being captainless for two seasons, I think the next guy you want to name, he'll be in that role for the foreseeable future, at least for me. They they had, what, Jerome McGinley there from... 20, 2003 to 2013, so like a good 10 years. Uh, you know, Giordano was there from 2013 through 2022, 2021, nine yeah. years, eight yeah. years. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think you, you know, I don't think you can hold anyone to the standard of a Jerome McGinley in terms of longevity, but I, you want to get a good four, five, six years because ideally, even as much as, you know, we could say Bradtree Living's regime set the tone. Bradtree Living set the tone for his regime. March you down to that too. And I think you want to have a similar kind of a similar kind of messenger in that way. Uh, this reads Anderson's come a long way from when Hoken Lube called into the show and didn't have a lot of great things to say about him. He became an amazing pro and he should get the C. This reads at 960, 960. Uh, just have to go back and find these texts. Um, this says, assuming all the key players do resign for me, Lindholm, ba- Lindholm one, Backlund two, Anderson three, Uyghur four to Foley five. That's from Jeff. Uh, this says, uh, do you think Kadri pushed himself out of the captaincy conversation with his performance at the end of the last season? That it was frustrating for me. I'm still a huge Kadri fan. I really am. I think I think Nazem was still a good signing for this team and he was an all-star for a reason, but that was frustrating the second half of the season, the post all-star break where there were multiple games where you're just like, this guy's way better than that. What are we seeing here? And I'll tell you this. And maybe, maybe a new coach is all that needs to be done. Think think about like shortest summer he's ever had. And there's no way he was a hundred percent this year. So, I mean, you know, if you're if you're him and you're proud and you're working your butt off, but it's just not there because your body's not there. I can see. You know, I don't think a lot of guys are at their best this past season. So I'm willing. I'm willing to give Kadri and a lot of other guys a mulligan because of how disastrous the season was for a lot yeah. of people in a lot of ways. Uh, this from Sean near Milo uh, Uyghur. He got the arena deal done. Fair point. Uh, you can't sit here and tell me that it wasn't Mackenzie Uyghur who 
made sure the arena deal got done. You'll never convince me otherwise. Uh, this says Backless, re, Backlund, regardless of if he's staying, he should have had it the last two years. This says Backlund should be captain. No ifs, ands, or buts, and he should finish his career as a flame. That comes from Grant. Um, Rasmus Anderson for captain, this says. Uh, this says it's got to be Lindy or Rasmus. Uh, has to be Rasmus. He showed great leadership. Uh, this says... Um, from Brad and Lakeview, Huberto was brought to Calgary to become their captain. Unfortunately, Sutter didn't let him develop to justify naming him that last year under a new coach. Hopefully, he'll shine and will be named captain. No one else will be captain, taking all bets. And finally, from Wedley, Backland. So we keep getting the sultry Pat interview voice. It's a good point. Uh, hey, Michael. Uh, what do you uh, you're you're the captain of the Calgary Flames? What does that mean to you, Michael? My my question is if if we if there's a Swede who becomes be the fir- I believe the first uh, the first Swede Swedish captain. Actually, I think he'd be the first non North American captain in Flames history. In Flames history, yeah, they got the way. Right. But would they make us do uh, do post games in, in Swedish? I mean, probably, I'm, I'm okay with I'm okay not. with uh, Dustin off Duolingo and figuring it out. I just want to if they give me enough time to start you know brushing up on my Swedish. We'll see. So, sir, I won't name any names. But there's a certain member of our media group, and I hope he's listening, or she. I hope they're listening. But it's a him. Uh, and <laughs> this person had been learning Swedish to try to interact with uh, with some of the Flames. And he tried it once on another, uh, I won't name names again, but a Swedish player. And that Swedish player was kind of like, uh, yeah, good job. Don't do that again. <laughs> he didn't say don't do that again, but it, was, it did not he, land the way. That... He said it with his eyes. He said it with his eyes. It was funny. And and I respected the attempt. And I don't think that that person should stop the attempt. Uh, it's Pike and Steinberg. We're underway on Flames Talk. And we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Steinberg and Pike along with you as this hour continues. Jerome McGinley is joining the Flames in some form or another, right? Like we're all... He's... He's coming to the Flames. He's He'll be he'll be officially joining the team in some form or another. Is that, is that a fair statement, Pike? Is that is that... Is that what your read on the situation is? Well, I mean, based on the comments that uh, Calgary Flames general manager Craig Conroy said uh, at his press conference on Tuesday and uh, speaking with Pat Steinberg on uh, Flames Talk, available on podcast right now, uh, I yeah, it's it's he had the ability to poo-poo it. He did not poo-poo it. If anything, he did whatever the opposite of poo-pooing is. Uh, you know, and I I think it's it sounds like it could be a cool idea. I think the big question is it's not so much the if slash when, but the what. Like, yes. What does that look like? Because, you know, when he was on with you, you know, just speaking about the idea that, you know, Jerome McGinley, hockey nerd, uh, has coached high level 
minor hockey in the United States and Canada for the better part of the last five or six years. And being Jerome McGinley, the same guy that when they were playing Age of Empires or whatever the hell it was, the computer game, the, the, he tracked down uh, computer experts to help him get the edge playing recreational computer games against his buddies. So he's, he's not wired like the rest of us. That's why he is in the hall of fame. Yeah. And because of that, he, you know, Craig mentioned to you, he has a book on so many of the high level uh, guy, you know, players in North America right now. And if you're, if you're the flames, like even just getting his perspective in the scouting room, because scouts look at, at young players, like, you know, they look at them from a completely different perspective than, a recently high level coach, recently high level hockey player. And even if you, you just get him in to a few scouting meetings a year, there's a value there. Well, I don't think it's going to be a tertiary role indefinitely. Like I think at some point he'll be a full-time part of the organization this year that's not 100% the way it's going to go because he's still got coaching obligations in the Okanagan. So that, that'll that be a little further down the road, but I'm expecting in the, the very near future that we get an announcement that Jerome has officially become a part of the Flames organization in an advisory role or something like that. And, yep. and just let, let, me, let me play this uh, snippet from Conroy. This was him with us on our uh, exclusive chat on Tuesday in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge and, and gave us an idea of maybe where his head's at with Jerome Aginla officially entering the fold. The one thing about Jerome and I, we've, we've talked about this, and like I said before, we talked about it forever, you know, and I know he's got stuff in his life going on. And now that I actually have the job, I, I would like to talk to Jerome and see, you know, what can we do here? You know, but that's, uh, you know, that's really all I can say right now because, you know, who knows what Jerome's thinking. He's probably like, Craig, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just one of those where, you know, we've, we've always, you know, we're such good friends. We want to do it. He's got a great hockey mind. The way he, he thinks about the game, you know, again, I was a little bit more defensive forward. He's a little more offensive minded and I think we work well together and we kind of bounce things off each other and you know just to know I mean we talk about the draft he he's telling me about especially all the kids for the next few years he's coached against them in Boston he's you know if it's all these top kids he's got a good book on all of them in North America obviously Europe's a little bit right. different but he's got a great feel he's known these kids for already for three or four years because his kids are playing against him you know, in competitive hockey, it's, it's amazing the knowledge he has and the amount of video he watches for his job as a, as a coach, you know, of rink Kelowna. It's, it's strange. I don't, and maybe my read on this was bad, but I don't know if I, when, when Jerome left here, when Jerome retired, when March, 2019, when his number went up to the rafters here in this building, I don't know if I ever was like, huh, Jerome in hockey ops at the Flames or Jerome involved with the Flames. I, I don't know if I ever, if it necessarily clicked. And I know that you're not saying it's going to happen and there's still, but it's that hockey mind. A lot of people have talked a lot about that. Like he's a, he's a really sharp guy when it comes to watching and, and breaking down the game, which I guess shouldn't surprise anybody. Yeah. I mean, he really does. I mean, we, when we talk, it's not, it's like full on. And, and again, <laughs> we don't always agree on things and situations, but yeah, it's just it's nice to get a different perspective, and a lot of times I would bounce stuff off him, 
you know, just because we're we're so close to this all the time, to have someone from the outside just yeah. say, hey, Connie, take a step back. This guy is, you know, whatever it is, you know. So we, we would always do that, which is, you know, is fun. And we, you know, either we both think we're right a lot of the time, but at least we can go back and forth and feel like we come to a pretty good understanding at, at the end. So there's Craig Conroy on Jerome Ginla. It sure does, sure does feel like the desire is to bring him in. Uh, I know that Jerome was only coming if Craig Conroy got the job as general manager. So now that is in the cards and there's a possibility it could happen. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of media availability with Jerome next week or something like that. Wouldn't shock me in any way, shape or form. So, um, and maybe it happens next week. Maybe it's not for a little while. It's going to happen. And, and I don't think we're all that far off from it. And yeah, starting an advisory role or a, you know, scouting role, something uh, like that, and then kinda, go from there. It kind of, to me, feels like the way Ken King got Craig Conroy going in the first place, where when he hung up his skates, they go, what do you want to do? What haven't you done? What do you want to try? You know, if, if if you have a Jerome McGinley, hypothetically, and he's willing to come in and, and help out, you know, I think the conversation probably starts with, well, how, you know, especially, especially, you know, this season when, you know, he'll be based in Kelowna coaching rink hockey academy, we go, hey, you know, what do you think you'll have time for? What do you want to do? And, you know, I think that's probably something that uh, I would be very shocked if those kind of conversations aren't happening as we speak in terms of figuring you out. probably already have. Yeah, it was probably a, a text conversation that was happening as, as soon as someone left our press conference yeah. the other day. Look, Jerome is really well thought of in the uh, in the hockey world, and I know that if he were interested in joining an organization in some sort of hockey ops role, he would have himself a role. And maybe it isn't with the Flames. If I think it's going to be with the Flames now. But, <laughs> you know, may, prior to this, maybe it could have been with another organization. But if it were to be like, and it's not going to happen with the Flames, but I'd like to I'd like to go down that road, he would find himself a job. No doubt about it. Because I... That, you know, whether it's the Bruins or the Avalanche or like he, he would find himself a spot because he's really turned himself into one of those guys that um, is well thought of in that regard. And I know there's plenty of well, what experience does he have and what he doesn't he does not have any hockey operations NHL experience. He has no, zero. No, nothing in pro, nothing in major junior, but, you know, even, you know, in the scouting circles, you know, the places he's been coaching. But you know how much Craig, years, you know how much Craig Conroy had? Zero when yeah. he started. He, he turned out okay. Yeah. But, you know, even just the idea, like, you have, you know, that kind of, you know, hockey coaching experience in those high-level leagues, the, the prep leagues in, in New England, the prep leagues in uh, in BC, that's that's not nothing. I mean, you know, that's you can make a case that's about the same, if not slightly more, than Marty St. Louis had when he got roped into coaching. And he didn't, you know, dip, dip his toe into the pond with an advisory gig. He just went straight into the deep end. And so, I mean... If you're, I, I think you could do a lot worse trying out Jerome McGinley than not trying him out. I mean, yeah, what what do you actually have to lose? And let me just give you another example. If, uh, if our buddy Mick is listening live or if he's listening on podcasts right now, Sean Horkoff went right from playing to director of player development for Detroit. He literally finished his career in January of uh, 2016, I believe. He finished it in 2016. 
And then in September of 2016, he became the director of player development for Detroit. Yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Marty Jelena hang it up and then go straight into Nashville? I believe that's correct. Marty Jelena went from Sean, doing Sean, that. Sean Donovan did something similar. Um, Rich Peverly. Rhett, you know, Rhett Warner went right into scouting right after that. I mean, there's plenty. Of, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, the in, in terms of smart hockey people going from playing and going, hey, I still want to do some stuff. You a lot of times they just go straight from playing and don't 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 get a lot of time to to dabble a bit. Drums dabbled. I mean, he had the benefit of, you know, he had some kids to take care of and this allowed him to dabble and be yes. hands-on with his kids, which is a really cool experience. Like one of these one of these days, presumably we get uh we get some sort of announcement. That's uh that's something I'll be listening to whenever the Flames Talk exclusive chat with hypothetical signing Jerome McGinley is because just the, just the fact that Jerome McGinley competitive monster Jerome McGinley gets a chance to coach his kids. That, that sounds so cool. Yeah. And then at some point we'll have to, go to talk to his kids and see how he is as a coach. Maybe, maybe they hate him. Uh, this reads Garth Snow went for, never mind. <laughs> well played. Uh, this says Connie knew he was GM for the weekend. He spoke to 12. They know that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm wink, wink, nudge, nudging at. Yes, he was. A, he signed his contract on Tuesday morning. He got there, he got taken into the suite on Friday. There had been there had been this had been going on for quite some time. Like they, he'd known for a few days, and he also had known prior to that he was a candidate. And yes, this is not the first time that uh, Jerome Ginla has been approached with with this as a potential. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see more more like we'll see when it happens. Yeah. And to your point, one, what? One of one of these years, Pat, I was joking on Twitter. We thought this was going to be a slow summer compared to other summers. But, you know, uh, the press conference to announce uh, new GM Craig Conroy was the fourth press conference for major Flames announcements since the end of the regular season. So, okay, so we've had Tree. Tree, Daryl. Daryl. The arena. Oh, the arena. I forgot about that. So, and that doesn't even count locker cleanout day. Yeah. So we had locker cleanout day. Then Tree. Th- then Tree. Then Daryl. Then, then the arena. Then Daryl. And now this. Now Craig. Yeah. And then we're going to have a new coach. Yep. And then probably if you get a Jerome McGinley on your staff in some way, you have a, a you have a press conference. So that's six or seven major press conferences yep. following a, a summer where the world was on fire. So, I mean... One of the, th- I think, I think our one our, of these summers will be boring, is what you're saying. I guess we have to punt to 2024, but I mean that depends on what happens to the UFAs. Good point. Uh, Ryan Pike's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. Our producers this hour have been Cam Hughes and Taylor Dingman. My name is Pat Steinberg. That will wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk, and it's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a keyed alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com.